Blog Talk Radio. Look 
Welcome to another edition of Intimate in the Word. I'm your host, Sean Holmberg, and we'll be joined later on by Christopher Herzog. And it is Monday afternoon, and it's been a very, very long Monday. I went to work today, got back. I have four children, and if any of you have children, you know what that can be like. But they're a blessing from the Lord. You know, it's sort of interesting. Um, I actually have, theoretically, I have three children. So to tell you the story and tell you a little bit about my life, um, I married a wonderful, wonderful woman a year, a little over a year ago, who had three children, um, who are now 15, 12, and 11. And last year, sometime in, I believe it was June, um, I got a call from a relative who, whose daughter was in the hospital. And so I rushed to the hospital thinking I could just walk in and pray for her. And I walked out with a five-year-old, another daughter, um, who CPS put with me and my wife. And so now I have four kids. And, you know, the first three were it was it was interesting for me because I had been single for a long time, never had kids of my own. Um, and to step into three children was great. Um, and it, it was hard to adjust to it. But then having the five-year-old, wow, I don't have near enough energy. I think I need to start working out every day just so I can keep up with her. And it's, it's interesting because when you have kids, whether it's one or ten, you realize that your time no longer belongs to you. And your time's not your own. And it's the same thing with being married. Um, time is something that you realize that you take for granted a lot. And that your time doesn't belong to you anymore. It belongs to your family. And so my time, when it's not at work, belongs to my family. And and it's funny because we have to make time to spend with the Lord. And with all the busy things that go in our life, it seems like he's usually the last one who gets put on the list. And for those of you out there who have calendars and appointment books and schedules and the big calendars that you put on your desk, you, you may understand how your whole day is scheduled from start to finish and you can just you could just spout out like what you're doing every 30 minutes from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed. And I mean, I know with me, it's getting up at 4:30 to five, getting the coffee ready, getting the kids up, my wife, getting my wife up, getting ready for work and then getting out the door, rushing through traffic, trying to get to work on time, spending all day at work and rushing traffic, rushing through traffic to get back home to help get the kids ready have dinner ready, get the kids all bathed and ready to go to sleep, help them with their homework, entertain them, and then finally put them to bed and then turn around and start the radio broadcast and then spend time with my wife and go to sleep. And it's funny, you when you think about your schedule like that, you don't really see, unless you get up really super early, um, you don't really see much of a time that you can just set aside just for you and the Father. And, you know, it's interesting because I've learned that if I want to spend time with Him, 
there's never going to be just an easy available time that's going to be just apparent. It's always going to be time I have to make. And, you know, the time you make is dependent upon the desire that you have to seek his face and to spend time with him and to hear from him, whether that means you have to force yourself to get up early, um, which even if you did, even 20, 30 minutes early in the morning seems like a lot, but after a month, you wouldn't even notice it. Um, I remember when I was a kid, and I used to get up two hours early before school just so I could spend time with the Lord, and somehow I lost that desire, or life set in, and so, and now it's time in the car, driving to work and driving home, and it's time when I'm on breaks at lunch, and it's time when I'm laying in bed, sort of like Davis, there was a verse and I honestly couldn't tell you where it's at in the Old Testament, where David was talking about how sleepeth was held from him, and he was laying on his bed just thinking about the Lord. And, you know, when you've given him your heart and you've given him your desires and your love, then the time you make, even if it's just a few minutes here or a few minutes there, really doesn't seem like enough but you have to make those times um, and you have to find every second and count your time as precious because you never know what the what's going to unfold in a day and you never know where you're going to end up a couple hours later and we you can always plan things and our plans as humans never seem to work out exactly according to what we think they are. You know, the Bible says a man will plan his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. And, and, and life is true. I mean, life, we make plans, but there's always life itself that intervenes and sometimes has a way of changing our plans. And so we have to learn to adapt to our situations and to be able to be comfortable enough and content enough. You know, Paul said, I've learned in all things to be content. I've learned to be abased and I've learned to abound. And we have to learn to separate ourselves to him. And, you know, we talked about this last week. We talked about how you can be washing dishes or taking out the trash or driving to work or doing whatever. And you use those times just to spend with him because even a few minutes of time with him is amazing and it's life changing and it's life altering and because you can't spend time with him and not have not be changed because when you spend time with him you're in the the presence and the glory of the Lord there's something inside of you that changes changes um in Corinthians says we all behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord and are being changed into the same image from glory to glory even as by the spirit of the Lord and so when you spend time with him you literally start becoming like him there's an old expression that says something to the effect of you you become like the people you hang out with and so if you want the character and the integrity and the heart and the compassion of Jesus, you need to spend time with Jesus and make those times. Because, you know, there's always something in this world to distract you. There's always a television show or a book to read or something to do. Um, I know, like, I love playing video games on my computer, but there's always things that can distract you. And so you have to 
find a balance that you can do everything you have in life to do and still make time for him because he's always available for us, whether it's the first second when you wake up or whether it's the few minutes before you go to sleep or whatever time you're able to make with the Lord will make a dramatic difference in your life. And this is actually completely not what I was going to talk about. Um, I usually never know what I'm going to talk about until I start talking. And then it just it ends up being whatever I feel in my spirit at the time. Um, but I wanted to read from Romans some. Um, so I'm going to start. I'm going to put another song on. And then once the song's over, I will be right back. And I wanted to say before I even put a song on, um, me and Chris um, have only been working with Block Talk Radio for about a week now. And so um, we have this ability to upload music and MP3s onto the website. Um, and so we have like 20, 30 songs on there. Um, so you may actually hear the same song more than one day in a row. Um, and if you need prayer for anything, our call-in number is 619 638 8458, and I will be right back.
Welcome back to Intimate in the Word. I wanted to give you our call in number again. It's 619-638-8458. If you need prayer for pretty much anything, um, give us a call. We'll be happy to pray for you on the air or off the air. Um, my name is Sean Holmberg, and I am your host for the first hour of Intimate in the Word. And um, I guess I'm going to start... Romans chapter 5, verse 1. And just to let you know, I'm probably going to skip around a whole bunch before this hour is over with. Um, But it says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's a strong verse. Having been justified by faith. Not going to be justified, not hope to be justified, not have to wait till we get to heaven to get justified, not until we've done a million good works are we justified, not after struggling and travailing are we justified. It just says having been justified by faith. Everything is past tense, having been justified by faith. Faith alone. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. There's a verse that says there's joy and peace that surpasses all understanding. See, it says either joy or peace. I'm not sure which one, but you get the point. Um, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, peace is probably one of the rarest commodities on the face of the planet. Everybody talks about in the news about how there's an oil shortage or a food shortage, but, you know, peace is one of those things that's even rarer than food and it's rarer than gasoline or money or anything else because it's the one thing that a majority of the world doesn't have because you can have everything. You could be a trillionaire, a billionaire, whatever, and have every luxury of life and not have peace. And you can think, you can have every advantage and you can have the perfect looking family, the perfect looking job and not have peace. And without that peace, you'll just feel empty. And it's ironic. Um, a long time ago, I saw this news article, and they're talking about different photos that have been taken that have impacted the world. And one of the most amazing photos was this woman who was over in Africa, I believe, and she was posing for the camera, and she had a child in her hand. And she had a couple children, and one of them had just died from hunger, and the one that she was carrying was going to probably die from hunger and but she was happy and she was sorrowful as far as losing her children and sorrowful for not being able to change her situation but even in her situation she had a peace that was remarkable and it's that it's a noticeable peace that you don't normally see on people, especially who in what most people would consider as a tragedy. And 
she had learned to find peace and because she knew who the Lord was and she trusted God that no matter what came, whether there was enormous blessing or whether she had nothing, she still had him. And in the end, she had peace. And it's funny how we go through our lives and it's the one thing that so many people don't seem to have because it only comes from a relationship with God. It only comes from knowing that we're justified and that we're considered righteous in his sight. And it's the one thing that the enemy always will try to steal from you is your joy, and he'll try to steal your peace. And it says in verse 2, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, which is patience, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. I was just stopping for a second and thinking about that. How awesome and amazing it is, the love of God that has been poured out in our lives through one man's act. The love of God that was poured out into our lives, the justification that we received, the fact that like it says in another verse in Romans, it says to come boldly to the throne of grace in which we are accepted in a time of need. And regardless of what we may feel in any moment, and we talked about how last week, how we talked about how our feelings and our emotions are deceiving because they change and they're not consistent and they're not always stable. And, our emotions can easily change like the wind that blows. And yet the word of God is a rock. It's it's stable. It's eternal. It's something that is never changing. Um, Jesus said that he was the same yesterday and today and forever. And 
the words that Jesus spoke are eternal. They're everlasting. It, there's a verse in the Old Testament, and I honestly couldn't tell you where it is, but it says that God put his word above his name. And God is adamant about filling, fulfilling his word and fulfilling the words that he's spoken out for our lives, for our family's lives, for the world itself. And you may look out at the world and you... If you look through the eyes of the media and you look through the eyes of the world itself, you wouldn't see any hope. But if you look through the eyes of the Spirit and you look through the eyes of the Word of God, you realize there's an abundance of hope. There's a wellspring and an outpouring and a fountain of hope that exists inside of Jesus Christ. And, you know, the world may be worried or afraid about the future, but God's not worried because God has a plan. And God has sent his word forth out that said, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And he said, until this gospel is preached in all nations, he wouldn't return. And, you know, it's interesting. Um, when I was at work today, someone had mentioned um, there was some guy on the news and some group who were claiming that sometime in April or May, the the rapture was going to happen and, you know, the world was going to happen. And supposedly this guy had, like, studied through the Bible and found some code. And I just wanted to tell him, I mean, not here on the radio, but something that suddenly wanted to tell him that if he wanted to know when to the end of the world, that's all he had to do was read the Bible because he would find out that nobody knows. Um, you know, Jesus said, nobody knows that time except for the Father. And which means he didn't know, and he doesn't know. He he said, oh, Jesus said he never came when he was here. He never did anything on his own accord. He never did anything just because he felt like doing it. He never, he said, he everything he did was the work of the Father, and he only spoke what the Father spoke to him. And he was being a living example, and he was being the representative of God the Father on the earth and the living representation of God the Father on the earth. And just like we're living rep representations and living epistles and living documentaries of Jesus Christ on the earth. And Jesus said that nobody knows when that time is except for the Father. And just like he said that no one has seen the Father at any time except for the Son. And the Son has seen the Father and testified of the Father and testifies that the Father is true. And he said, I mean, in this, in, so it shouldn't really matter whether it's today or tomorrow, whether it's next month or next year, nobody knows. It doesn't really matter. It's not important. It has absolutely no bearing except for the fact that we need to watch and be ready. But when he said watch and be ready, he wasn't meaning to just stand there and wait and to go hide in somewhere or to go just away for it. He There's work to be done. He said the fields are white and ready for harvest. And he said, blessed is a servant whom when the master comes finds him waiting and finds him, or what's the word, um, finds him doing what he should be doing. And wouldn't it be great if when that time comes, if it ever comes, whether we're alive or if it's later, a lot later on, maybe a couple hundred years, no one knows. But wouldn't it be great if, say, it happened next week and the moment it happened, you were in the middle of telling someone about Jesus. And if the last thing that you were doing with your time here on earth was 
telling someone about Jesus and bringing more people into the kingdom and bringing more people into a relationship with God because it's not about the numbers. It's not about I I witnessed and saved this many. It's about the reconnection of a lost person and a lost a lost sheep, as it were, to the Father. Because we're ministers of reconciliation and in the end we only have two main jobs on this earth while we're here. And the first one is to love him with all our heart and our soul and our mind and our body and to have communion with the living God through the Holy Spirit Spirit, through faith in Jesus Christ, with whom we have this reconciliation. And that's our number one priority is just to be in love with the Lord and have a relationship with him and to know him. And our second job is to tell people about him and to be ministers of reconciliation to the earth. And because there will be a time when the gospel won't be preached everywhere. I mean, and there are places where even now you're not allowed to preach the gospel. And, there's millions of people in the world who've never heard the name of Jesus. And, you know, I remember when, um, a, a long time ago, me and Chris were doing, we were going through apartment complexes. It was me and Chris and his wife and my wife. And we were going through just random apartment complexes, going door to door, knocking on doors, asking if people needed prayer and then talking to them about Jesus. And it's funny because, at one time, there was these kids sitting on, a, on some steps, and they couldn't have been more than 15, and some were younger, and we'd ask them if they knew who Jesus was or if they had ever heard of Jesus, and they had no clue. It was a name they had heard, but they had no idea about Jesus or salvation or that Jesus loved them enough that he died for their sins. And, you know, it's the same problem they had before the flood is that people stopped talking about him. People stopped sharing the love of God with each other and until it got to a point that people started to forget God. And it's the one thing that the world needs more than anything else, and yet it's the one thing that most people are afraid to share. For either they're afraid that what people will think or they don't want to be inappropriate. Um, and I'm just as guilty of it. Um, but it's the most valuable resource and it's the most valuable commodity we have is the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the, the knowledge of a relationship with him and the knowledge of a Savior who's, has, who's died for our sins. I remember when I was a kid listening to this one pastor talk about that in, there's this river called the Ganges River in India. And people once a year will make a pilgrimage to this river, which is a dirty river, and there's feces and all sorts of really nasty things in this river, something that you'd have to be on fear factor in some cases to even go in this river. But these people will flock to this river and travel for miles to get in this river and will take all this stuff in the river and rub it on themselves. And this is how they get atonement for their sins. And no, and it, they just need someone to tell them that you don't have to do this. You don't have to do anything. Someone already died for your sins 2,000 years ago. You know, it reminds me of this movie I watched called The Senator, where there was this, in the, the old days, there were supposedly people who used to pretend to eat sins, and they thought they could do something and something like that. But anyway, when she spends this whole movie searching for him, afraid that there was nobody who would take her sense because no one had yet told her about Jesus. 
and she had no peace. And then till the end of the movie where someone told her, and it's like, you know, we go through our lives having something, you know, there's a verse, and I think I talked about this once before. Um, it was about giving, and usually giving involves money or involves um, giving our abundance. Um, it says in Second Corinthians, or no, is it Second Corinthians? Maybe it is. It says, um, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. And it's one thing to give material things, but it's another to give eternal things. And we have an eternal gift that we have knowledge of that is freely available that can break bondages and and heal sicknesses and save souls and bring peace to a falling world in darkness. I mean, we are lights on a hill. Jesus said, when you have a, a, a lamp, you don't put it under a basket. And it said, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. And we, the church of the living God, are a city that's been set upon the hill of the world to shine and bring into the cast forth light and to repel the works of darkness and to repel the darkness and the shadows and to declare that Jesus Christ is Lord over the entire earth and that the kingdom of God has been established in his church and that the enemy has no more power. And we have this treasure in earthen vessels and we have the gift of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The same Holy Spirit who raised Jesus Christ from the dead and we have this treasure in us and this knowledge of Jesus Christ that we need to share with people. And it's it's just sort of sad that sometimes we don't do that or we don't even think about doing that to the last minute when someone's on their deathbed. But even if then, I mean, it's the one thing they need more than anything else is they need to know Jesus because they need peace. You know, it's it's funny. Um, I thought about doing this and then I wasn't going to do it. Maybe I will do it. Um, when I was a kid, I didn't... I grew up in a really poorhouse. Um, to give an example, I lived in a mobile home and a housing complex, like all houses ever street was house except for this one mobile home. And it was not a good mobile home either by any standard of the imagination. And if people ever dropped me off, I'd have them drop me off like two streets over so they didn't see my house. And I didn't have the best life growing up, but I didn't have peace most of all. And and everything, everywhere I went to get something to fill my heart and to get that peace, I never found until I was walking through school one day, and there was this girl um, named Jackie Serpas who was sitting in the um, gym in the middle of high school reading her Bible. And I had always heard about God, and I'd heard the name of Jesus, 
but didn't know about the actual relationship. I didn't know that there there was actually a possibility of having a relationship with God. It was something that it was so vague and foreign to me that you could have something like that, that we as human beings, like David said, what is man that you are mindful of him? And I didn't know that you could have a literal, physical relationship with the God of all creation. And when I say physical, not as in God being right there in the room, but in a sense, he is, because his presence is always there. He's always present wherever we are. And it's funny when you make that transformation and you give your life to Jesus and your heart opens up and and your spirit's enlightened and the blinders are taken off your eyes and you see the whole world in a completely different scope. And regardless of what happens, there's always this, this, this hope that's planted deep within your heart that Jesus loves you and that Jesus is real and that you have a relationship with God. And then over time, you develop a relationship with him. And, you know, a relationship with God doesn't always start off all perfect. I mean, because we're not perfect. And relationships takes time to cultivate. And it takes time to grow. And you you grow in your relationship with the Lord. And to the point that regardless of whatever comes, you can say it doesn't matter because I trust him. Regardless of what bills do, I trust him. Regardless of what it says on the news, I trust him. Regardless of how I feel today, I trust him. Regardless of how sick someone I, I love is, I trust him. And you place your trust in him, and you have this hope that is indescribable because regardless of whether the mountains are cast into the sea and the world dissolves, it won't matter because I know that he is everlasting, and I know that he is a God who does not lie. And, you know, David said, I have never seen a righteous forsaken nor a seed begging for bread ever. And and I'm 35 years old, and in 35 years, I don't have any answers. I've studied the Bible backwards and forwards, and I've studied more religions and more history than anybody really should. And in everything I've learned from the time I was born until now, all the other knowledge is is meaningless and the only thing the only answer I have is him. It's Jesus Christ. It's that Jesus died to save a fallen world. When I was the first time I'd ever received a vision from the Lord, it's when I was a little kid and I've told the story to some of my friends and it was that I was sitting in a room and I'd opened this Bible, one of those big living Bibles, and because I was bored and I'm flipping through this Bible and all of a sudden I come across one of the letters of Paul, whether it's Corinthians or James or Luke or, I mean not James or Luke, but like um, Corinthians or Ephesians or Galatians, one of those in that order. And it said, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ according to the gospel. And Right after the word gospel, it had these parentheses. It said G-O-S-P-E-L. And it said God offers sinful people 
eternal life. G-O-S-P-E-L. God offers sinful people eternal life. And you know, if you had a million dollars and you offered someone a million dollars, they would gladly take it. And how much more for eternal life, for the gift of eternal life, and beyond the eternal life, the gift of relationship with the living God, with the God who created heaven and earth, and the God who has prepared a place for us, Jesus said. He said he is going to prepare a place for us, and that sooner or later, this earth will be will be done, and we will be standing in front of the King and King and the Lord of Lords. We'll be standing in front of the Lamb of the tribe of Judah, the Lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. You know, when it says he was slain before the foundation of the world, that means before God even created the earth, before the Holy Spirit was moving over the waters. God had a plan to bring redemption and salvation to the world. And Jesus was slain for the sins of humanity, for the sins of the world. And it's a free gift that's available for anybody who is just willing to accept it. And in return for accepting what he did and just taking a small step of faith, saying, Jesus, I trust you. I don't understand. You may never understand, and there's a million things that you can never possibly understand, and I will never understand. But in the end, the only thing I need to actually know for sure is that he is who he said he was, and that I know in whom I believed, and I know that he is a God that is true, and he is a God that is faithful, and his faithfulness is everlasting. There's a verse that says that if we are faithless. He remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. And, you know, in the 35 years of my life, I've had good times and I've had bad times. And there's times I've had amazing, an amazing relationship with God. And there's times I've fallen away and, like, walked away from God. Not completely, but just went to do my own thing and then come back. And he would always draw me back because no matter where I would go, there was always something that wasn't right. There was always a piece that was missing, something, you know, it says taste and see that the Lord is good. And once you've tasted a relationship with God, and once you know what it's like to have a relationship with the living God, nothing else will ever compare to it. There's nothing that will ever satisfy you. Nothing will ever bring you the same joy and the same happiness and the same peace. You know, I was reading part of the Declaration of Independence today, or the Constitution, and the Declaration, and it says, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are endowed with their by their creator with certain inalienable rights. And among these are life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. And it doesn't just say that happiness is given to you. It says that you have to pursue happiness. And some people find it and some people don't. And I think the people that find it are the people that find out that real happiness doesn't lie in a physical object and it doesn't lie in a circumstance, but real happiness and real joy comes when you find the real liberty, and which only comes through Jesus Christ. And it only comes through having a right standing with God. And it only comes through being reconciled to him. And it only comes through...
through having your conscience cleaned by a relationship with him and by the blood of Jesus and having your mind renewed by the word of God, that you can boldly stand in front of the presence of God without being ashamed and having faith, not in anything that you could have possibly ever done, but just the fact that you know that he has done it for you and that he loved you enough that he laid down his life and died so that you could have a restored relationship with God. And even though you know it's something you could never deserve, you still have it because of his grace and because of his love and because of his mercy. And, you know, that one thing is the most, like I said, it's the most important thing that we have to give to other people is the love of God that has been poured out in our hearts by him and transformed us on the inside so that we are children of God who have this characteristic of love that only comes through him. And so I'm going to take a break for a second. If you need prayer for anything, once again, our toll-free number is 619-638-8458, and I will be right back.
Welcome back to Enemy in the Word. My name is Sean Holmberg. And I can't believe the hour is already almost gone. You know, it's funny when me and Chris started working with um, Block Talk Radio. We weren't even, we started with like 15 minutes and then 30 minutes. And we weren't sure how we would fill up an hour nevertheless, too. And it seems that once <laughs> you start talking about Jesus, the time just like, flies by Um, because it seems like every time you talk about him it's just the time slips through because he really is amazing and you know whether you're listening to this broadcast live or you're listening to it and it's recorded um, if you don't know him I wanted to let you know that he is more real than you could ever imagine. And I wanted to let you know that he is amazing in every way, and his love is real. And everything you could ever dream of is true. And, you know, God said that he has a plan for our lives, planned to give us a future and a hope. And it says that we couldn't number the good thoughts he has about us. And all those are wrapped up in a sovereign plan that he had with Jesus Christ to bring you into a relationship with him. And 
we're going to have some time to pray later on. Um, and if you would like to know Jesus, you can call us, or we'll give you a chance to pray in a little bit. Our call in number is 619-638-8458. And so in a few minutes, we're going to go play one more song and take our last break of the first hour. And then my good friend Christopher Harzog will be back for the last hour and for an hour of prayer and seeking the Lord. You know, in the times we live in, it's one thing to hear about the state of the world. You know, every year the president gives a State of the Union, which is to address the Congress about the state of the affairs of the world. And it seems like a lot of times we get our knowledge of the state of the world from watching the news, but perhaps we should be getting our state of the union address about the state of the world from God himself, because he's the one who oversees everything and knows this, what's really going on. And he's never worried. And, and so I wanted to encourage you to spend time with him and to learn to listen to his voice and to learn to recognize his voice and feel free to have a real conversation with him. You know, a relationship with God and prayer doesn't always have to be something formal. It doesn't have to be something you plan out. Sometimes a relationship, like a relationship with anybody else, is something that's very non-formal. It's very casual. It's very, <clears throat> excuse me, it's something that can happen on the spur of the moment. It's where you just talk to him like a normal person and he realize that he cares for you and you realize that he loves you and just like you would talk to your father. If you have an earthly father or if you, you would talk to him like a normal person and you would be interested in, it in the things that he likes and he would be interested in the things that you like. And so I encourage you to spend time with him and get to know him and to spend time in reading the Bible so you can learn more about him and learn more about who he is. And because when it, all said and done, the only thing that really matters is not what you've done, but the person you know, which is Jesus Christ. And so once again, our calling number is 619-638-8458. And we will be back in just a few minutes. Sorry, that's the wrong song. Here we go.
All right, well, sorry about that. I think we had a little bit of dead air there for a minute. Let's get back into uh, the second scripture. I apologize. I think we actually had a, a mute button pressed there for a minute, so we were muted on the air. So this is Prayer International Radio. My name is Chris Herzog. It is about 1024. And our call-in number is 619-638-8458. And again, we are reaching out to you as your family. And we are going through sharing about the love of God. We Earlier on the show, we were sharing Ephesians 3, 16 through 19. We're getting into our second scripture. If you're taking notes, it's Philippians 1, 9 through 11. And in talking about the love of God... I'll go ahead. Paul says, I pray that your love would abound so more and more in the knowledge of God and in all discernment that you may approve and rejoice in the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere with no compromise and without offense. So the day of Christ being filled with the fruits of righteousness. So let's go ahead and break that down so we can have an understanding. You know, Paul kind of paints a picture here for us. He says, I pray that your love would abound still more and more in the knowledge of God. Let's stop there. See, there's an ever-increasing love. The Bible says the Holy Spirit sheds the love of God abroad in our hearts. The Holy Spirit puts the love of God in our hearts. That's how we get love. That's how we acquire love. And as we encounter God and as we encounter his presence, as we're filled with his spirit, we begin to receive and experience that love in different facets and different levels and different ways. And Paul's prayer was that they would increase in the knowledge of God, abounding in love. And so as you increase in the knowledge of God and we're not talking about head knowledge. You know, you can know about someone, but not know them. But as you get to know somebody, the more time that you spend with them, you begin to see what's in their lives. You begin to see what's in their heart. You begin to see how they are, you know, when when they're in a crowd or when they're, you know, separate. You get to see people's true colors the more time that you spend with them, Right? And so, with God, it's the same way. As you spend time with God, you begin to see really what God and who God and how God and why God. And you begin to experience all the different characteristics of God. And in the process of that, because He is so pure, He is so holy, He is so lovely, He is so faithful, He is so good that it just really begins to develop and, and, and build and increase as you experience God and encounter God, as you gain more knowledge of who he is, you experience more of his love. And, and what that does is it builds up a faith that solidifies your faith, makes it concrete in your life. 
And so as you get to know God, the, the rest of the prayer that Paul prayed was that you would have discernment and that you may approve and rejoice all things that are excellent. You see, as we get to know God and we understand what his ways are for us, as we begin to see things from his perspective, as we begin to hear his voice, as we begin to recognize and distinguish and we become sensitive to what pleases him and what grieves him, what moves him and what offends him, then we begin to develop his perspective on things, which allows us to have a discernment, allows us to see things as they really are. And so he prayed that they would have a discernment so that they could approve the things that are excellent in your life. See, there's certain things in your life that are approved by God, and there's certain things in your life that are not approved by God. And when you begin to line up with the word and the will of God and begin to get the heart and the mind of God, then you will be able to discern and approve the things in your life that God chooses for you. You'll be able to filter out what's God and what's not. You see, there's things that are excellent, that are approved of God, then there's things that are good in your life. And so... We want the things that are excellent. We don't want just the good things. We want the God's things. And it really takes a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit to know what is God approved. And so begin to ask God, pray this over your life. These these prayers, these scriptures that we're sharing, these are prayers, apostolic prayers you can pray over your life. He says, I pray that you would be sincere with no compromise and without offense until the day of Christ Jesus. You see, God wants you sincere. Don't just honor him with your lips, but make sure your heart is there. Make sure you're sincere in what you do and not compromise. Jesus said, you'll love me. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you love somebody, you want to cater to them. You want to do what pleases them. And if you love God, you're going to want to do what pleases them. And then he continues to say he prays that they would be without offense until the day of Christ Jesus. You know, offenses will keep you down in the kingdom. Offenses will keep you from God's best. And so, you know, Paul prays that these brothers, these Christians, that they would not be that they would not be offended necessarily. See, when we take up an offense in our hearts, it doesn't necessarily affect the person that we're offended at, but it begins to work a process inside of us that, that's negative. It closes us up. It hardens our hearts. It dulls our hearing. It, it fogs our sight, so to speak, and it begins to taint the purity of our relationship and experience with God. And in turn, it taints the exchange in communication and the exchange and experience that we have with with people. You say, well, what do you mean? Well, Jesus said it like this. Look, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. And if you have a wrong perspective on God, you have a wrong perspective on yourself and, and you begin to just have a skewed understanding 
It begins to affect you on the inside. Then it's going to affect the way that you interact with people. You see, offenses will dull your vision. It'll harden your heart. It'll affect the way God interacts with you. Jesus prayed a prayer in in Matthew. He said, forgive us our debts. Lord, this is in the model prayer. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those that have sinned against us or have debts towards us or that have trespassed against us. What are, what are we saying there? If you hold ought and, and, and an attitude in your heart towards somebody else, yet you're asking God, oh God, forgive me, but yet you can't release others, then God sees it as kind of hypocritical. And so Paul's prayer was that they have no offenses until the day of Christ Jesus and that they would be filled with the fruits of righteousness. Well, the fruits of righteousness are the fruits of the Spirit. So we'll stop there for a minute. This is Prayer International Radio. My name is Chris Herzog. If you'd like to, uh, feel free to call in. We're at 619-638-8458. We're going into a time of worship, and when we come back, we will have a time. Uh, We'll get into one more verse, and we'll have some call-ins and get into a time of prayer. Praise God. Why? 
All right, well, praise God. This is Prayer International Radio. My name is Chris Furzog. It is approaching about 15 minutes to the 11 o'clock hour. And it is March 7th, 2011. And we are in the studio tonight. We are talking about the love of God. Earlier we had Sean Holmberg uh, sharing his heart about God's love and experience with the Lord. And we are trying to just really raise up an awareness here uh, on the broadcast among believers and non-believers, just how important it is to have an understanding and an experience with the love of God. And so we were talking about the prophetic prayers, apostolic prayers, whatever you want to call them. Um, we were just taking a few verses from Ephesians and Philippians. Um, I'm not actually going to share one out of First Thessalonians. Chapter 3, verses 10 through 13. Paul writes to the Thessalonian church, and his prayers this. He says, Praying exceedingly that God would release his spirit and his grace, God would release his spirit and grace to perfect what is lacking in your faith, that you may be able to. To increase, or that the Lord may increase you more and more, and you would abound in love to one another and to all, that He may establish your heart blameless in holiness before our God the Father. So, right now, um, I just want to break that down. Excuse me. Okay, so right now we just want to break down Thessalonians 3, 10 through 13. It says, I'm praying exceedingly that God would release his spirit and grace to perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Paul's prayer is that God would begin to pour out his Holy Spirit that there would be a release of God's grace, a release of God's power that would begin to bring a maturity, begin to bring a growing, to bring an increase of the faith of the believers. You know, when we start out in our walk with the Lord, we're at a certain trust level, a certain belief level. We have a certain understanding of the things of God, and we've approached God with a certain level of confidence. And we've experienced God in certain ways, which over a period of time develops that faith, develops that trust. And so Paul prayed that these believers would become mature, that they would increase. And whatever they were lacking in their faith, it would be given to them. It would be perfected. He continues, he says, that the Lord would make you to increase and abound in love one to another, speaking of the believers, and to all. And it's funny, it goes along with what Christ said. 
Jesus said, they'll know you're my disciples by the love that you have for one another. Well, here Paul, speaking under the spirit of God, writing to the Thessalonian church under the spirit of Christ, his prayer was that they would increase in love towards each other. He knew how important that that bond of love was. He knew how important being on the same page, being unified, being one heart and one mind. You see, it's necessary. There's a unity that's necessary. There's a bond. There's a knitting or a netting or a networking, a connecting together of the body that's necessary among men and women, among the believers in the body of Christ in order for God's power to really be displayed, in order for God to work into the process what he's trying to work in, without community, without a corporation of believers coming together, the plan of God really takes on a different personality when there's division. Paul's called them schisms. But when there is a division or a breach or a separation or a dividing wall between the body. Let me put it like this. If you were to, well, let's put it like this. Let's say someone took your person and they removed your arms and they removed your leg. Okay? And then they told you, function. <laughs> It'd be virtually impossible to function if somebody removed your arms and legs. You would not be able to function in the same capacity that you functioned prior to that experience. Okay, well, Jesus says, Paul says, the Bible says, that we're the body of Christ. And that one body part, and I'm paraphrasing the book of Corinthians, you'll find this in 12 and chapter 12, chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians. But one body part can't say to the other, I have no need of you. You see, the hand can't separate itself from the, the arm and the body be able to hold or grasp or perform what it needs to without the hand. And so when you cut off and you divide, and one group of Christians says to the other, we don't really have need of you, your function in the in the body isn't as important as this one, then there's problems. And so we must have love for one another. We must stop taking offenses, like we read in the other chapter, Philippians 1, verse 10 not taking offenses, not taking up bitterness and forgiveness in our hearts, okay? Because then the Lord can't work in us and properly do what he wants us to do. You see, there's a power in unity. Psalm 133 says, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell in unity. 
And then it, the psalmist paints this picture. He says, it's like the dew that's upon Mount Hermon. It's like the oil that runs down the head and down the beard of Aaron and down the skirt. And he painted a picture of when the prophet anointed the man of God and he poured the oil and it ran from down his head, down his beard, down the, the garment, down to his feet. He was drenched and saturated in the anointing oil, which was a representation of the presence, the anointing, and the power of the Holy Spirit of God. And the analogy that he makes is this. When there's unity, when brethren are in unity, when the body of Christ is connected and they're not offended and they've dropped their dividing walls and they've put all their petty arguments aside and they've learned to bless and learn to love and learn to pray and learn to stand one with another in unity like a family. See, we're all the children of God that makes us family. So when we stand in unity as a family, there's a power in it. You say, well, that was Old Testament. You see, there's, we'll say this, there's an ignorance, a lack of understanding in the body of Christ has this teaching that because we're New Testament or we're Christian or reborn believers, we don't have to actually take God and his law serious. You see, Jesus came and that no, no, no. You see, Jesus came to fulfill the law. He didn't come to abolish it. He didn't come to say, oh, do whatever you want now. I'm here. No. He came to break the dividing wall so you could have a relationship with God, so you could be filled with the Holy Spirit, so you could obey God, so you could please God and fulfill God's plan for your life. That's why Jesus came. It wasn't to give you an excuse or a ticket to go do what you wanted and then cry grace, grace, grace. Do I believe that apart from the blood of Jesus, we're not making it in? You better believe it. Your works, and you can work as hard as you want and try to do everything right. But let me tell you something. Your righteousness is filthy rags, the Lord says. And apart from the blood of Jesus... I hope this doesn't offend too many people, but apart from the blood of Jesus, covered over a person's life, apart from turning your heart and having faith in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross and the power of his spirit working in the earth today, apart from a relationship with God, through the blood of Jesus, you're going straight to hell. So with that being said, we're talking about the love of God tonight. You know, the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that if you would believe, trust him, and put your confidence in him, give him your life, then you would not perish you would have everlasting life. You say, well, how could a God, a loving God, send people to hell? Listen, he gives you the choice. Choose you this day whom you will serve. People choose 
to go to hell themselves. They choose. But praise God, we have a choice. And there's been a way. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. That all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that God raised up the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead, those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. And so I'm here to tell you, if you'll give your heart, if you'll open up your life, and if you'll ask him in, he'll bring you into his family today. Maybe you're away from God. Maybe things in your life are not right. Maybe you feel like all you've had is a sense of religion and tradition, and you've had no experience or encounter. I want to invite you. We want to invite you. Give us a call, 619-638-8458. Email us at prayerinternational at gmail.com. So let's go into prayer. So if you don't know the Lord, open up your heart. Pray this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, I realize I'm a sinner. And I want the life that you have for me. I want your will to be done. And I want your kingdom to come. Come into my life today, Lord. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me in the precious blood of Jesus. Give me forgiveness towards others. And fill me with your Holy Spirit. Lead me and guide me. And become the master and the Lord of my destiny. In Jesus' name, amen. So look, there's no formula. If you prayed that prayer or something like it, maybe you got in on part of the prayer, but if you meant it with your heart, the Bible says people honor God with their lips, but their hearts are far from it. But he's looking for hearts that are in. There's no formula here. All you have to do is ask him in. Maybe your life is away from God. Maybe you're a Christian, you're a believer. Maybe you've had experiences and encounters with God. You feel like you're dry bones. You feel like your life has been dry and dusty. Your Bible has been put up on the shelf and things in your life have been so far away. I want to pray for you now. Father, I pray for every man, woman, and teenager listening on the program tonight, Father, that you would move over them by the power of your Holy Spirit. That, Father, you would touch them that you would open up their eyes and open up their ears and they would begin to encounter and have an awakened love, Father, that you would awaken their hearts, that they would become love-sick worshipers and that, Lord, you would just begin to work in their hearts again and that the fire of first love, that passion that they had when they first were saved, that passion that they had, Father, when they felt your presence and they felt your life, and they felt your hope, Lord, I pray that you would restore the joy of salvation to every person listening, that you would begin to 
lighten up their testimony again, Father, and begin to recall them, awaken them to remember who they are in you, to remember what you've declared over their life, and to remember what your spirit and what your word has promised them. The Father, we call your kingdom into their lives and your will to be done in their lives in Jesus' name. Now, Father, bless everyone watching and Holy Spirit, touch them with your presence and with your power. For everyone listening, everyone connecting uh, on the site, Lord, just touch them. And we just ask right now, Father, Lord, if, if anyone has any unspoken prayer requests, Lord, that you would just touch those, Lord, that you would touch their families, that you would touch them, bless those that have financial needs tonight, bless those that have needs in their bodies, Lord, heal them by the power of your Holy Spirit. And so we make a way for you now. This is Prayer International Radio. Call in 619-638-8458. My name is Chris Herzog, and this is Intimate in the Word. You have a blessed evening. God bless you. In Jesus' name, amen.